Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for a full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the Jews to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totem Voss, that's T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S, at getchews.com. That's getchews.com. Use code DRDIVA, that's D-R-D-I-V-A, for an additional 10% off your first order. I mean, everyone has an important role, um, but men are, are, in a certain sense, are really a linchpin of a certain part of society. And if you help that man, feel better about himself, you know, lose some weight, build some muscle, his hormones are better, he's having some regular uh, physical intimacy, he's going to be much happier and he's going to make the people around him in his family, in his spouse, in his community, in, you know, in his workplace so much better. So it's, uh, it's kind of like spreading the love. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I'm joined with Dr. Judson Brandeis. He trained in neurology at UCLA and currently practices sexual and rejuvenative medicine for men in San Ramon, California. He was a pioneer in surgical robotics, green light laser, and MRI prostate biopsy. He was the chief of urology at John Muir Hospital and Hill Physicians from 2012 to 2018, and he was voted top urologist in the San Francisco Bay Area from 2014 to 2020. He's appeared on The Doctor Show and dozens of podcasts and webcasts. He created the SWEET study, which is a shockwave erectile enhancement trial. It's the largest study of shockwave therapy for erectile dysfunction ever done. His other clinical research studies include the SWAP study, shockwave and Peron's disease, utilizing his special Peron's disease SWT protocol, the P-Long study for minimally invasive penile elongation, the Mencella study using HIFEM technology for improving the intensity and duration of orgasm, and the SURGE study using a transdermal technology to deliver nitric oxide to the penis. Uh, Brandeis MD in Northern California is at the leading edge of male rejuvenation and sexual medicine. Among the many cutting-edge technologies, we use BioT testosterone supplementation, M-Sculpt, and M-Cella for muscular rejuvenation and gains wave therapy and PRP for sexual rejuvenation. He also founded Affirm Science, which creates supplements based on the most recent scientific data. Affirm is a nitric oxide boosting supplement. Prelong is the management of premature ejaculation. 
Support is a natural testosterone booster, and Spunk is to improve prostate health. He attended Brown University and is an undergraduate and Vanderbilt for medical school. He received a Howard Hughes Medical Institute Research Award for his year of transplantation immunology research at Harvard Medical School. He's a member in good standing of the American Urological Association, Sexual Medicine Society of North America, and the International Society of Sexual Medicine. Dr. Brandeis, thank you so much for joining me here. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You have such great accolades and and it's really an honor to have you with your expertise to talk about sexual health. So I look forward to our conversation. How did you really hone in on this specific niche? I know you're an urologist, so naturally you deal with a lot of um, sexual issues in men and in women, but your niche takes on a new different style and it's very ingenious in how you've put together all this knowledge and technology to really optimize sexual health? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. So everything in life that you do kind of builds on each other. Uh, And so, you know, the research that I did at American Red Cross and when I was at UCLA and when I was at Harvard uh, doing research kind of built onto that research base. And then the, the stuff that I did as a urologist, you know, sexual medicine is kind of a peripheral aspect of urology. Uh, but I, I'm a kind of a new technology junkie. So when robotics came out, I wanted to be the first one on the block to do it. When MRI-guided prostate biopsies came out, I wanted to be the first one on the block to do it. And when I, I found out about shockwave therapy for erectile dysfunction, I thought, well, this is too good to be true. But if it really works, I want to be the first uh, on the block to do it. And, and it actually really works in properly selected patients. And what I found was it was really joyous to watch men in their 60s and 70s be able to recapture that part of their life that was so important to them when they were younger. Uh, And then, you know, Viagra came out, so a large portion of the population was able to become sexually active again. But at a certain point, Viagra uh, doesn't work anymore. And so you need a regenerative technology like shockwave therapy, like PRP, to be able to recapture those kind of things. And just seeing guys come in with that sort of giddy grin uh, after uh, five or six treatments uh, just was, was so rewarding that uh, I sort of became addicted to sexual medicine. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's definitely rewarding when you're able to transform an elderly male and capture uh, his youth and recapture his youth, because that's what everyone is really looking for. And I feel that really addressing uh, sexual health can actually allow a person to feel young again. And that's, you know, really the, the fountain of youth, in my opinion, is, is being able to look and feel like you were when you're in your 30s and 40s as a 60 or 70 year old. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all have a decay curve, meaning that we're all going to get old and, and pass away anyway. You know, I have uh, in my practice, I have professional athletes, I have fighter pilots, I have all these sort of super high performing folks, but there's a slide that I show all my patients, which is the world record for the 100 yard freestyle and swimming. And there's a definite curve. So between the ages of 20 and 60, the, the times for the, the best swimmers in the world are pretty close. But after 60, the slope of that change changes significantly. And then after 80, the slope of that change changes significantly. And this is for the top athletes in the world. So no matter what you do, you're going to decline more once you hit 60. 
And then that's going to accelerate when you, you, when you hit 80. So my, my goal really is to help my patients maximize uh, the life that they have. So we do that through shockwave therapy. We do that through uh, a technology called M-Sculpt, which utilizes high-intensity focused electromagnetic waves to improve muscle tone. We do that through supplementation. So I developed a supplement called Affirm, which is a nitric oxide booster. And it's really a very overlooked part of physiology is, are the nitric oxide supplements. But that itself really makes a tremendous difference and boosts physical activity, boosts cognition, boosts sexual function, boosts circulation about 10%. When you start looking at a person with a male who has erectile dysfunction, there are different causes of erectile dysfunction and they're not the same across the board. So can we go into a little bit about what ED is and, and the different stages of ED and, and, and low libido? Sure, absolutely. Well, libido and erectile dysfunction are two intertwined but but separate functions. And so libido really comes from the hormone testosterone, which is made by the testicle. It's the male hormone. It increases during puberty, which is responsible for our development as uh, as men, you know, pubic hair, penile elongation, deepening of the voice, building muscle, so on and so forth. And so it'll peak at around 900 at about 20 years old. And then there's something called ADAM or the androgen decline of the aging male. And so over time, you can draw a line from 900 when you're 20 years old to 200 when you're 80 years old. And there's that slow and steady decline. And libido is wrapped up in not just testosterone, but also life circumstance, right? So when you're young and you're carefree and you don't have a mortgage and you don't have kids and so on and so forth, you run around and you'll hump anything. But when you're 40 or 50 or 60 and you have a bunch of kids and you have responsibility and employees and job and so on and so forth, um, you know, sex becomes part of your life, but it doesn't become the primary focus of your life uh, like it is when you're younger. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's sort of the libido story. And then there's also the complexity of relationships, right? If you've been, I've been married for 20 years, uh, marriages are complex things. Uh, there's all sorts of different aspects of marriages and physical intimacy is just a part of that. Now, in terms of erectile function, erections are almost entirely a focus of blood flow, right? So your heart pumps and the first place the blood goes is back to the heart. Then it goes to the brain. Then it goes to the lungs, then it goes to the liver, then it goes to the kidneys, then it goes to the intestines, and then it splits into left and right, and then it splits into leg and pelvis. And then within the pelvis, you go to the tailbone, you go to the gluteus muscle, you go to the bladder, you go to the prostate, and the very last branch of the internal iliac artery goes to the penis, right? So the toes and the penis are the two last places that get blood. So that's kind of a bummer, right? You know, it would be nice if it was higher up on the vascular tree. And then if you think about the blood going to the, the foot, right, it goes in and then it goes back out through the veins. But that's not good if you're the penis, right? Because the penis, you want to trap the blood. So what has to happen is the blood goes in and then you have to have a mechanism by which the blood gets trapped within the penis. And so the way that the good Lord designed things is as the blood pressure in the penis increases, 
the veins that take the blood out of the penis are trapped between two layers of connective tissue. And so as the pressure builds up, the exit of venous blood gets squished between those two layers. And when that happens, then you get penile rigidity, then you get the penis going up, right? So the penis is the only organ of the body with skin, but no muscle. And it's the only organ in the body that moves entirely based on blood flow, right? So you have to have a way to trap that blood flow in the penis. And so really my job or one of my jobs when my patients come in complaining of erectile dysfunction is to figure out a way to get the blood pressure in the penis high enough to prevent that venous leak. So I have a whole algorithm of ways that I do that. And I'd be happy to go through that if you... If you yeah, it'd be great. Sure. Okay. So your body moves blood around from place to place, right? So you wake up in the morning, you go for some exercise, blood is in the muscles, right? Then you go eat breakfast, blood goes to the intestines. Then you go to work, blood goes to the brain. So how does your body move blood around from place to place? Well, first of all, you have a signal. And then second of all, you have the pipes. Okay. And in your body, the signal for opening up blood vessels is a molecule called nitric oxide. And I was at UCLA when one of my professors, Lou Ignaro, won the Nobel Prize for figuring all this out, right? But it's totally ingenious. What happens when you wanna open up a blood vessel is a nerve secretes nitric oxide. And nitric oxide makes this stuff called CGMP, right? You don't need to memorize what CGMP is other than to know that CGMP is the linchpin of the whole system. So the more nitric oxide you have or release, the more CGMP you make, the more blood vessels open up. And guess what happens to nitric oxide as you, as you age? It goes down. So at the age of 50, if you're an average American, you probably have 50% of the nitric oxide production that you normally should have. Now, the thing is, it's like a dimmer switch in a room. If the dimmer switch is 50%, you can still walk around the room. You can still see. You can probably still read. But you can't do surgery and you can't speed read. And as you get older and older, that nitric oxide keeps declining. And we assume that that's part of natural aging, which it kind of is, but that's something that's very simple to fix, right? And you fix it with a nitric oxide boosting supplement. And most good nitric oxide boosting supplements contain something called L-citrulline, which is from watermelon, beets, uh, ginseng. And so I created a supplement called Affirm from Affirm Science, which contains citrulline, beets, ginseng, and mirapuama, which is a, a potency wood, okay? So that's the first thing we do is we get everyone on a nitric oxide booster. Now, the beautiful thing about a nitric oxide booster is it'll naturally decrease blood pressure about four or five points, right? And so blood pressure medications cause erectile dysfunction, right? They do that because they dilate peripheral vasculature, but I mean, the uh, central vasculature, but the peripheral vasculature, and remember the penis is at the end of the line and getting blood. So if you're dilating centrally, you're not going to get peripheral blood flow, right? So blood pressure medications will cause erectile dysfunction. So if I can get someone off a of blood pressure medication by doing it naturally with a nitric oxide booster, then I've helped their erectile function immensely. Okay. So we get these guys on a nitric oxide booster. The brain has more nitric oxide receptors than any other organ in the body. So you improve cognition. A lot of elite endurance athletes will take nitric oxide boosters because it improves circulation. 
I have had diabetics that tell me that they take less blood, um, you know, their blood sugar is better. You know, it's just a question of blood flow. It's not anything magical that nitric oxide is doing to each of these end organs. So I get everyone on nitric oxide booster, equivalent of three grams of L-citrulline every day. Wow. Okay. Then a lot of my patients, I'll put them on Cialis or Tadalafil, right? So a PDE5 inhibitor, the way that that works is, remember, nitric oxide is boosting the level of CGMP, right? So you have this enzyme system called the PDE system in your body, right? And what the purpose of that is, is to break down CGMP into an inert form so that blood vessels close, right? Because you want to open up blood vessels, but you also want to close blood vessels. So the, the beautiful thing about PDE is that there are different PDEs all throughout the body. So nitric oxide is the same wherever you go. In, in men and in women and cats and dogs and rhinoceroses, all mammals use nitric oxide. But there are different PDE receptors. So there's PDE1 in the brain, PDE6 in the eyes. That's why people get that bluish haze sometimes when they take Viagra. There's PDE4 in the lungs. In the penis, it's PDE5. That's why when you take Viagra or Cialis, it's called a PDE5 inhibitor. So if you block PDE5, then that CGMP sticks around for longer and you maintain an erection. Okay, so now the thing is, when you're younger, you get 30 to 60 minutes of erections every night, right? And that's how you maintain a healthy penis. Right. So you and I are sitting here and the blood pressure in our penis right now is 30. Right. The rest of the body is 120 over 80, but in the penis, it's 30. And it's mostly venous blood, non-oxygenated blood. So during the day, you're not getting much oxygen in the penis and you're not stretching out the penis very much. So how does your penis stay healthy? Well, the good Lord created this system where at night you get Erections. Every time you slip into REM sleep, blood fills up the penis. You get an erection for five or 10 minutes. And then once you get out of REM sleep, the erection goes away. So that way your penis gets oxygenated blood and it stretches out because the lining tissue of the penis is this really thick collagen and elastin. So uh, if you've ever operated on someone and, and open up the aorta, the aorta is a millimeter thick, right? The aorta is the biggest blood vessel in your, in your body. It takes huge blood pressures and huge volumes of, of uh, blood. The tunica of the corpora cavernosa is two millimeters thick. So it's actually twice as thick as the biggest, toughest vascular structure in your body because it's got to maintain high blood pressure and it gets banged around a lot. Right. And if if in in the wild, you know, you're getting a fractured penis, then you're not going to procreate. So evolution favored a a really tough, thick tunica. But because it's thick and it's tough, it doesn't stretch very well. You need a lot of blood pressure to stretch it out. And if you're not getting routine erections, then you're not going to stretch it out. So my guys that are in their 60s and 70s and 80s, they always complain that their penis isn't as big as it used to be. And that's, that's the reason why. And so I put a lot of my patients on generic Tadalafil, five milligrams before they go to bed, right? And I have a video uh, on this on my uh, YouTube site. If you go to YouTube, Brandeis MD, 
Um, just look up nighttime erections, uh, and it goes through the whole physiology and algorithm for nighttime erections. So, you know, I recommend guys in their 40s, when they start to lose nighttime erections, take a nitric oxide booster before they go to sleep. That's what I do. Uh, if you begin to lose your nighttime erections, say in your 50s or 60s, even when you're on a nitric oxide booster, then go on something like uh, uh, Tadalafil. You can start with two and a half milligrams and go up to five milligrams. The beautiful thing is at that dose, there's hardly any side effects. Mm. Uh, if you continue to have problems, something like gains wave shockwave therapy works really well. Or, you know, when I, I get a lot of guys who are in their 70s and they get divorced or they get widowed, they get back into the dating pool, but they haven't had a good erection in five or 10 years. And I'll actually use a vacuum erection device. And so I have these guys for five or 10 minutes in the morning, stretch their penis, get some good blood flow in there. And five or 10 minutes before they go to sleep, stretch their penis, get some blood flow in there. You know, it, it takes a little bit of coaxing because it looks goofy. Everyone saw it on Austin Powers and everyone, you know, it's kind of a joke. But at the same time, it's the cheapest, easiest, best way to maintain penile health. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. Now, with, with what you're talking about, these different modalities, do you use one modality, and if it fails, you add the second, and then you keep doing it until you've used all four that you just talked about? So I, I evaluate every patient individually. Uh, and so I don't take insurance. You know, I have a very open, honest relationship with my patients. They pay me for my services, uh, and, and I spend as much time as I need with the patients. And I get to know my patients really, really well. Patients tell me, you know, their deepest, darkest secrets, because, you know, you should be very open and honest with, with people that really care about you and are taking care of you. You know, I had a patient, he was uh, mid fifties, he was a contractor, he's really good athletic shape, working out an hour or two a day. And something just didn't make sense to me why this guy would be having these problems. Uh, and finally, after 15 minutes, you know, he just looked at me and said, you know what, I was a meth addict for 15 years. And all of a sudden, his physiology totally made sense, and I was able to help him in a really significant way. But everyone comes into my office with their own individual story, both uh, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, and and you really have to incorporate everything that those folks are telling you to create an individualized treatment plan. 
You know, you can't, the, some, there are some clinics out there where everyone that comes in gets shockwave therapy. Uh, and I, I just don't believe in that. You really have to honor the individual and honor each individual story and craft an individual's treatment plan. Yep. The question I had that was coming up when you said that average males have about 30 to 40 nocturnal erections. And obviously this is through REM stage sleep. As we get older, our REM stage you know, may, may change a little bit and our overall sleeping patterns may change. If you're a deep sleeper or if you're a light sleeper, I mean, how do you know if you're able to achieve 30 to 40 erections throughout the night? Yeah, so it's, it's 30 to 40 minutes of erectile function. And Got it. You can, there are tests that you can do. That you, there's a little kind of gauge you can put around the penis that, that kind of feels the pressure of uh, erections. You know, we don't really do that test anymore. There's a, there's a little, they used to call it the stamp test. You can put little um, yeah. stamps around the penis uh, and, you know, see if it breaks in the morning and you know that you got an erection. Um, I don't know if that, when they do sleep studies, if they do that kind of stuff, like in right. sleep medicine, I mean, that's a good question. I'll ask my, co- my sleep colleagues. Yeah if they do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was really curious. You were talking about Gaines Wave, and I was wondering if you could elaborate on how Gaines Wave works its magic. You know, I have a fairly broad understanding, but when you talk about it, it makes sense in your algorithm that how you use Gaines Wave in conjunction with everything else to really optimize erectile function. And so the, the first thing to know is that Gaines Wave treats what we call vasculogenic erectile dysfunction. So there's, there's a number of different ways you can get erectile dysfunction. So there's neurogenic. So if there's some effect on the nerves, either from prostate surgery or from multiple sclerosis or a stroke or something like that, you know, if you have one of those conditions causing erectile dysfunction, Gaines Wave is not going to work. Or diabetes is a common cause of, of neurogenic erectile dysfunction. Uh, you know, if it's purely psychogenic, uh, it's not going to help. But for vasculogenic, which is about 85, 90% of erectile dysfunction is purely from blood vessels. That's where Gaines Wave can really benefit you. And what it is, is a shock wave or a high pressure acoustic wave therapy, right? So um, they discovered this during World War II when they were trying to blow up submarines. They would drop depth charges. And what they found was that there was a wave of energy that came off the explosion that caused massive internal injuries to sailors that were, were uh, swimming in the water. You know, a boat was capsized. And so then in the, in the 70s, urologists figured out how to harness shock waves to use them to break up kidney stones. And then in uh, 2010, a brave soul in Israel uh, decided to try low-intensity shockwave therapy (laughs) to generate new blood vessels within the penis, right? So they were using it for wound healing and other other ways to generate new blood blood flow. And so I guess they decided, well, this is a great way to try to generate new blood flow in the penis. And so what it is, is the waveform of the shockwave perturbs the cell membranes of the blood vessels in the penis in a way that your body thinks it's being injured. When your body thinks it's being injured, you generate an acute inflammation. And part of that acute inflammation is a healing response. And part of the healing response is the generation of new blood flow or new blood vessels. Uh, And when you actually do the experiment, so uh, a guy named Tom Liu at UC San Francisco 
did these experiments on rats. So if you're ever in San Francisco and you see a bunch of rats with no penises, you know that they were part of this experiment. But they did acoustic wave therapy on the penises of rats, and then they cut off the penises and they looked at them under the microscope. And what they found was an upregulation of stem cells. So stem cells are cells that can become other cells. So you're stimulating stem cells to become new cells or new blood vessels. You saw an upregulation of what's called VEGF or vascular endothelial growth factor. So your body produces uh, uh, growth factors to tell your body to grow new blood vessels. And they also saw an upregulation of endothelial nitric oxide synthase. So it's, a, uh, it's an enzyme that helps create nitric oxide. And remember, nitric oxide is the, the um, molecule that helps open up blood vessels. They also showed an increase in nerve growth factors uh, which is really important. And so, you know, this is the mechanism by which these you know, mysterious sound waves are, or, or shock waves are able to generate new blood vessels. And so this is really amazing because you have this technology where there are some inherent ways to regenerate uh, the, the cells that are in the, in the penal area, vascular-wise, as well as nerves. When do you start to implement utilization of things like stem cells and PRP? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll go through um, each of them individually. Okay, so PRP is called platelet-rich plasma for folks out there that don't know it. And don't feel bad, two, three years ago, I didn't have no idea what PRP was. Um, so say you're out in the woods and you're running around and you cut yourself. Okay, what happens? Okay, the tissue that gets injured produces what's called inflammatory cytokines, right? So that's a, a, a messenger that's sent out by these cells that get injured that is asking for help. It's like uh, back in the day when bank robbers would rob a bank, they'd pull an alarm and the police would know exactly where to go, right? So the first responders in this situation are platelets, right? The first thing you got to do is stop the bleeding, okay? Platelets are round. But when platelets become activated by a lot of the calcium that gets released in, in an injury, they become activated. And so they stick their arms out. They, come, they look like starfish. And they, the arms of the platelets grab onto the other platelets. And they form kind of a netting that thrombin and red blood cells and a bunch of other stuff gets caught in to stop the bleeding. But when platelets open their arms, they release what are called alpha granules. And alpha granules contain growth factor. So there are about 140 different identified growth factors within platelets, including vascular endothelial growth factor, platelet-derived growth factor, keratin growth factor, endothelial growth factor. So all the growth factors that you need to regrow the tissue. So what you can do is draw blood, spin the blood. When you spin blood, the red blood cells have iron, right? So they go to the bottom. The plasma, which is just water, floats up to the top. And in the middle, you have a little layer of platelets and white blood cells. And so you get rid of the red blood cells, you suck off some of the, the plasma, and you get this nice golden layer in the middle with platelets and, and white blood cells. And then you can use that to inject in a variety of different places in your body, anywhere that you want to accelerate the growth. So a big use of PRP is with hair growth. Uh, and if you're interested in that, you can go to my YouTube channel 
I have a video of myself getting injected with PRP of, uh, for the hair. Um, there's no video of me getting injected for PRP for the penis, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I've done that too. Um, they use it in orthopedics. They use it in dental surgery. Um, anywhere it think of it like fertilizer right so shockwave therapy is like planting a seed you don't put fertilizer on a seed you put fertilizer on a little plant so once the the gains wave or shockwave therapy start to grow the plant then you put some prp fertilizer on there and it accelerates the growth and just a word of advice anyone that's looking for prp make sure that you find someone who has a double spin system so there's a single spin system that's first generation there's a double spin system the double spin systems tend to have a much higher platelet concentration mm -hmm. uh, and if you're going to do it you might as well get the most platelets are the dose of medication that you're getting right um, okay stem cells are different Okay, and there's, there's a huge misunderstanding about stem cells. It's a very kind of wide open field, but I can explain it all in about five minutes if you want. Sure, let's okay. do it. All right, so stem cells, okay, sperm meets the egg, right? 23 chromosomes in each. When sperm meets the egg, now you got 46 chromosomes in one cell. Okay, that's the omnipotent stem cell. Omni means all, right? So that one cell with 46 chromosomes becomes the trillions of cells that we are when we're fully grown adults. Okay, and then that cell grows and grows and grows and it makes a ball called a blastula, right? And the blastula and then becomes the morula and the morula has three layers. It has the endolayer, the mesolayer, and the ectolayer. So endo means inside, right? So the endoderm becomes the mouth all the way to the rectum, right? So mouth and esophagus and stomach and intestines. The ectoderm is on the outside. So it's the skin and the bones. And the meso is the middle. So it's everything in the middle. So it's the blood vessels and the, the nerves and the heart and liver and all that kind of stuff, right? So when you're looking for stem cells, to grow blood vessels, you're looking for mesenchymal stem cells, the middle stem cells, okay? So that's the first thing that you want. Now you can get stem cells from lots of different places. You can get stem cells from fat, okay? So some people get uh, like a liposuction and then they spin the fat cells and they, they isolate the fat stem cells. Now in me, my fat stem cells would be 53 years old. Right, so 53-year-old stem cells aren't going to grow as fast as newborn stem cells. And fat stem cells are going to be looking to grow fat. Now, they're influenced by the environment that you inject them into, but they're not going to grow blood vessels as efficiently as other types of cells. Okay. Now, another type of cell is you can get from bone marrow. It's what we call a hematopoietic stem cell or a stem cell that grows blood vessels. Okay, that may be closer to, um, you know, growing blood vessels, but typically it's growing red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets. Okay, it hurts to get bone marrow taken out of your hip. Okay, it's a big needle. It goes through a bone. It's not comfortable. Um, and it's still 53-year-old stem cells, but you make a lot more blood cells, then you make fat. So it's a, a, a lot faster growing stem cell. Okay. 
So that's the two types of stem cells we typically get from people are either fat or bone marrow. Okay, now what about babies, right? Newborns, right? There's all this birth, you know, you get a baby, you pass the baby off, but there's all this birth waste that, that comes along with it. So there's cord blood, there's the placenta, there's Wharton's jelly, there's the amniotic fluid. That has cells that are growing super, super fast, right? You know, you go from one cell to a nine pound baby in nine months. That's pretty cool. The problem with that is one, it's not your own stuff, right? And so the, they have to check the women for all sorts of viruses, infectious diseases, so on and so forth. And two, a lot of folks aren't too keen on having someone else's DNA in your body. Okay. So you can either use uh, mesenchymal stem cells from Wharton's jelly and, and placenta, cord blood, or you can take what's called the amniotic fluid. So that's the fluid that the baby is floating in. And the fluid that the baby is floating in has tons of growth factor, right? And so you can use amniotic fluid. Or the last thing you can use are what are called exosomes. Okay, what is an exosome? An exosome is a little vesicle or a little balloon that cells put messenger RNA into. Messenger RNA is how cells communicate with each other, like little post-it notes that cells communicate with each other. And so there are what we call stem cell lines. So the Bush administration decided that it wasn't a good idea to research stem cells in this country. So, but we have about 20 stem cell lines that are existing. And if you stimulate those stem cell lines, you can get what's called the exudate or the, the fluid that the stem cell lines produce you can suck that up and that's got a lot of exosomes. And those exosomes will tell the cells what to do. Because what we've discovered is that stem cells work through what's called a paracrine effect, right? So there's this fantasy that, you know, you take stem cells and you put them in the body and they, the actual stem cells grow up into other stuff. But that's not really the case. Within a couple of generations, those stem cells are gone. And what they do is that the fluid and the, the messages that the stem cells secrete is really how the stem cell therapies in our body actually work, is they stimulate our own tissue to start to do the things that they should be doing. So in essence, you really need, when you're injecting stem cells, it's optimal to use the exosomes and a, a stem cell line from fat or bone marrow, just so that you can optimize the effect and, and the direction that these stem cells are, are led to grow. Yeah, you know, the, the, it's a really exciting field. And, and one day people are going to really understand how best to use it. I know at least in sexual medicine, I haven't really followed the literature and other fields in sexual medicine. We're really at our, the infancy of understanding the best use of both PRP and of, of stem cells. That doesn't mean that people don't use it. I mean, PRP is totally safe. I've, I've seen anecdotally a benefit. I'm actually doing uh, research, uh, IRB approved clinical research on using PRP to increase both the girth and the length of the male penis. So a lot of guys want bigger penises. Not too many people actually do something about it, but some people do. And sometimes there are disastrous consequences. People get suspensory ligaments cut. People get uh, fat injected into the penis. They get fillers injected into the penis. 
There's even an operation where they put a silicone taco in the penis to make the penis bigger. Uh, you know, 300,000 women a year get breast implants. There's no sort of physiologic reason to get breast implants other than cosmetics. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with a guy wanting a bigger penis, but the problem is it's a lot easier to get bigger breasts than it is to get a bigger penis. Right. Uh, and uh, there are physicians out there that kind of prey on men's insecurities. And so I decided, well, you know, I need to find a better way. And the better way for me was using PRP and a penile traction device and a penile suction device and my Affirm nitric oxide boosting to improve circulation, improve erections. And uh, we're still at the sort of the beginning stages of patient recruitment. Uh, I haven't filled all the patient recruitment, but we had a number of patients who we recruited before COVID. And then we had to kind of stop patient recruitment. So I have a, you know, a handful of patients who were part of the protocol before COVID and they've grown both in girth and length. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, and in it's proportional too. So, you know, when you do fillers or when you do uh, surgery, that kind of stuff, um, you grow the shaft, um, but the head of the penis is the same, right? So then you get kind of an awkward looking penis. Whereas with the P-Long study, we get a natural uh, look to the penis. Mm-hmm. You know, it grows proportionally. I kind of want to take a, a little different um, approach to discussing male sexual health. I know we've been talking about a lot of the modalities and how we can improve. What are some other ways that we can improve male sexual health and vitality, you know, when we talk about, you know, mind, body, and spirit? Yeah, so that's uh, kind of a really interesting question. So. I started out when I shifted from general urology to sexual medicine, I just kind of dove right into sexual medicine. But what I found was that guys didn't want to have sex if they didn't feel good and they didn't feel like they look good. And that kind of led me into a more holistic or integrative approach to sexual medicine, which really, you know, men who develop erectile dysfunction, that's the the canary in the coal mine for cardiovascular disease. So if you look at the literature, if you develop erectile dysfunction, within five or 10 years, you're likely to, to develop cardiovascular disease, you know, have a heart attack or a stroke or uh, you know, some sort of ischemic event um, if you don't do something. So when I have my patients um, who are in their late 40s or 50s that uh, haven't really taken care of themselves and they come in just because they think they're going to get some Viagra or some shockwave therapy, they get a lecture from me because the, the arteries to the penis are one or two millimeters, right? The arteries to the heart are three or four millimeters. So what's going to get blocked first? The one or two millimeter artery. But guess what? <laughs> the three or four millimeter artery is next. And when that gets blocked, you might end up in a box, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I have an in-body that, that, that does a body composition analysis, and I make sure all my patients get um, uh, cardiovascular risk panels. Uh, I send my patients out for uh, CT scans, you know, the, the, the heart scans, to look for calcium score for the heart. You know, because of what I'm, I'm in, a, in a strange way, I'm acting as a vascular surgeon for them. And I have a very close relationship with the vascular lab next door. Uh, we do a lot of work together and I, we share a lot of patients because when I get young guys that come in with erectile dysfunction, that's an early warning sign. And if you don't heed yeah. that early warning sign, uh, you're going to be in big trouble. So 
I, I work on the general health of my patients. You know, what, how do you eat? How do you exercise? Um, that kind of stuff. And that, that's going to improve your overall outlook on life. Uh, and in the end, you're going to be a better person. You're going to be happier. You're going to have better physical intimacy with your partner. Uh, so that's one part. The another part that I work on is the hormonal aspects, right? A lot of uh, primary care physicians, uh, first of all, a lot of them don't even test it, right? So Kaiser, you have to basically like make a giant fuss just to get a testosterone test. And they don't even test uh, free testosterone. They just test total testosterone. And I'm not criticizing Kaiser's system. Kaiser's great at what it does, which is, you know, population health management. But I don't do population health management. I do individual health management. And when someone's sitting across the, the, the desk from me, it's my sacred obligation to do everything that I possibly can to improve the health and, uh, in all aspects of that individual. And so, uh, I always check testosterone levels, and if the testosterone level is three, four hundred or less, you know we have a conversation about testosterone re replacement um, because that's a super easy thing to do to improve strength, uh, vitality, libido, uh, getting rid of fat, building muscle. You know, I had a patient the other day, and. Uh, he came in and I put him on testosterone therapy. He's a great guy, you know, that owns a big company. And he said, you know, my wife and all of my employees really thank you. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, I was just a grumpy bear <laughs> before you put the testosterone in me. And he said, you know, after you put the testosterone in me, you know, I've been so much more pleasant to everyone in my immediate area. And so the, I, I feel like the, I mean, everyone has an important role. Um, but men are, are, in a certain sense, are a, really a linchpin of a certain part of society. And if you have a, a grumpy, frustrated man, he's going to make a lot of other people's lives miserable. But if you help that man feel better about himself, you know, lose some weight, build some muscle, his hormones are better, he's having some regular uh, physical intimacy, he's going to be much happier and he's going to make the people around him in his family and his spouse in his community in you know, in his workplace so much better. So it's a, it's kind of like spreading the love. Yeah. I, I couldn't have said that better. And I think that's a, a great way to, to conclude our show. So great information. Thank you so much for sharing all this, the science behind everything that you do. I mean, you think about it from that perspective, everything makes so much sense in the, the way you do it from step to step to step. And then also addressing everything from an integrative approach, which is what I espouse and which is what I believe in. It's not about you know, a pill that can fix everything. It's really a whole series of, of avenues and modalities and, and techniques and tools to really enhance the sexual nature of a human being, whether it's male or female. And as a matter of fact, that should be applicable for any disease process that we're facing in the Western society. So um, it's a really good reminder for that. So thank you. And for our listeners who really, I'm sure they want to reach out to you and, and find out more information and maybe uh, become a patient of yours. So what's the best way for them to look for you on the net? Sure. So my website is brandeismd.com, B-R-A-N-D-E-I-S-M-D.com. And for anyone who's in the Bay Area that's interested in the PLONG study, which is a penile elongation study, they can 
just go to the website. There's a, um, I have five clinical research studies going right now and just look at that clinical research. And then for anyone that's interested in a nitric oxide boosting supplement, you can go to affirm, A-F-F-I-R-M science.com. Uh, and we have affirm, which is nitric oxide booster. We have prelong, which is for premature ejaculation. We have support, which is a natural testosterone booster. It contains DHEA, which is a testosterone precursor and DIM which blocks the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. And then we have a spunk, which is a a natural supplement for improving prostate health. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Brandeis. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.